You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. our Bibles tonight, turn to 1 Kings, 1 Kings, and let's go to chapter number, uh, chapter number 12, if you will. While you're turning there, this does not have to do with the Bible study, but do we know what the last word in the entire Bible, last chapter, last book, last verse, last word, what is it? Just thought I'd ask you if you knew what that was. And uh, that's an important word at North Valley Baptist Church. Let's not forget that. What was that word? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. That's good. You got it. Tonight, chapter 12, and Rehoboam, 1 Kings 12, Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel would come to Shechem to make him king. It came to pass when Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who was yet in Egypt, heard of it, for he has fled from the presence of King Solomon, and Jeroboam dwelt in Egypt, that they sent and called him. And Jeroboam and all the congregation of Israel came and spake unto Rehoboam. Thy father made our yoke grievous. Now therefore make thou the grievous service of thy father, and this heavy yoke would put upon us lighter, and we will serve thee. And he said unto them, Depart. Yet for three days come again unto me, and the people departed. Let's read verse 6 together. Ready, begin. And King Rehoboam. Very smart king right there. He got with the old guys. There's something to that. Old Testament, Jeremiah 6, 16, I get me unto the great men, the old men. People that are experienced in life. People that have walked through the journey of life and are still living for God. In the New Testament, it's still there as well. Titus chapter 2. The Bible says you young women get to the aged women, the older women. They that have raised children. You young men get to the Old are the aged men, it says. Everyone ought to have a cabinet of aged people that could give you advice and direction. Everybody. I've struggled with that because so many of the people that have been so faithful to me in advising and directing preachers, I have so many older preacher friends, they're all gone. I'm talking about dozens and dozens and dozens I could call, and they're gone. They've passed away. They're on the other side. I can think of people in this church that I've relied upon, and many are gone. They're passed away. Thank God for those that we still have here. I believe in, as a pastor, I believe an aged woman could give me some direction. I believe an aged man, doesn't have to be a pastor, can give me direction. We're very foolish when we make decisions 
based upon our own thoughts. Draw from the wisdom of another. And so here this son, and it's amazing this son because his grandpa was David. His dad was Solomon, very wise man. And that man, Solomon, wrote his son a 31-chapter book called Proverbs. And he said, here's how, to, here's how to grow up to be a good man. And so it would appear that he's off to a good start. He's going to be king. And he said, I want to, I want to talk to the old men. I want to talk to the experienced men. Verse 8. Ready? Let's read it together. Begin. But he forsook the counsel of the old men. Verse 13, could you read that please? Ready, begin. And the king. Tonight it's for some of you, you're going to say, why did I come to church tonight? Because I, I'm not in the segment of people he's talking about. All of us are. I want to talk to you about this next generation, your children. And so we've raised them. Well, so have we. We're done with raising our kids. But we're not done with raising your kids. Every Sunday school teacher ought to consider this a mission that God has given you to help every parent raise their kids. Every school teacher, every, every person on staff, every deacon, deacon's wife. This is one reason for over 40 years I've been going to elementary chapel. I have a duty and a responsibility to help you raise your kids for God. Your children are not your own. God said they're a heritage. He's deposited them into your care. They're not yours. Just like Hannah, she said, this is not my child. We live in a careless days with our children. I really believe we ought to always watch their diet. But come Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you ought to watch their diet. Why? Because the devil would like to do anything to keep your kids out of church on Sunday. You would not agree with this. I know this, but I know it's proven in my own life. I know how it works. Mrs. Treber taught me years ago. Dr. Riojas, Dr. Music, they're both men have taught, taught us this. Dairy, contrary, to the medical profession is not that good for you. It creates mucus, it creates colds, it creates runny noses. Now you're gonna have to, where do you get your calcium? Maybe you ought to read about it. But our kids are sick all the time. And we're always out of church. We're doing our children disservice. I like ice cream, don't eat it much because what it does to me but I certainly would not eat it on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, because I want to be my best for Sunday. I do not want to lose my voice. I guarantee it, you get too much dairy, you'll lose your voice. You'll start coughing. You get too much red beef, red meat, you'll begin to lose your, uh, ladies, ladies, you ought to become a scholar about health. I'm so pr proud and privileged to be married to a lady that for her entire life made a habit of studying and still does to this day about the health of children and ladies and people. Ladies, you have to read. You have to understand. 
to think that the uh, number one drug that, that is pres prescribed this day to four-year-olds is antidepressants, we're doing something wrong. Something's not right. And I might right now be filled with cancer and be dead in two months. I don't know. But I also know that I've tried, I've tried to eat healthy. I've tried to protect myself. I've tried to make sure that physically I'm, I'm well. And, and child of God, we're talking about this next generation. Your children, your grandchildren need Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Every time the church doors open, they ought to be there. But we can't be, we're all sick. I truly believe that we started eating right, sleeping right, and I'm not the poster child for sleeping right. I was in a bunk bed last night at camp in a sleeping bag. I'm never gonna sleep in a sleeping bag again in my life. I'm six foot tall, that, that sleeping bag was 5'10". I, I never got comfortable. I mean, you, you wanna tell, you, I'll tell you what time it was all night long. I, there's a little ladder there. I had my phone there. I look, oh, oh, 12.30. I'm still not asleep. 1.30, I'm having a time doing nothing, trying to get comfortable in this bed. 2.30, 3.30, 3.40, still hey, wide awake. I had someone in my room was really sleeping good, had a great time over in the other bunk. I finally, after a short time, I said, I'm gonna get up, wasting this time. You know, I think, well, and I can't vouch for being a good sleeper or anything. We're gonna have to take care of these bodies. I wanna come to you because our kids are gone tonight, the older kids. I wanna talk to you about the children, young people, your home, your family. And again, we've raised them. We're, we're, we're done. I, I could talk about other ministries, senior saints or whatever, Medicare, but, 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 but I want to see if we can help God's people raise a generation. Grandparents, you are so, so important. My wife reminds me of that all the time. About the only avenue we have for nine of our grandkids that are away from here, the only avenue we have is prayer. We cannot touch them, we cannot see them. They're busy, we're busy, they're gone. It's an ache in my heart but I can go to the throne of grace and throughout the day, first thing in the morning, throughout the day, their names are called before the throne of grace. I can pray for them. All it's gonna have to take for one of our 13 grandkids to destroy their life is to find a friend like Amnon had a friend. All it has to do is a teenager to get in a car with another teenager and drive reckless and kill the whole car, kill everybody in the car. All it's gonna take is someone to pass some drugs to your kids or grandkids and destroy their life or give them some material that they ought not to ever be part of or a philosophy. And here's a mother and a dad that spent their life raising a son or a daughter and some godless friend can turn their head all the way down another direction. Grandparents, you're so important. Bus captains, bus captains, God bless you. You're so important. So important. You're the only hope. Sunday school teachers, youth pastors, school teachers, 
mothers, dads, aunts and uncles, cousins. Here's a boy, his name was Rehoboam, he's now king. The Bible tells us in Chronicles especially how he was such a wicked king. Come from, come from, came from a good home, his dad Solomon. I know his dad did some things wrong. I know his grandpa David with Bathsheba, but he is still a man after God's own heart. Tonight I want to talk to you for these few moments about this generation that were words for your family. And I want you to jot them down if you get a piece of paper and pencil tonight. And I want to be very careful that I'm not looking down on children. If you could have just heard those kids, Brother Adam Russ was playing his guitar and Brother Caleb was at the piano and they had some other instruments playing last night and a trumpet and this and that. Those kids, I mean that nobody sings like the North Valley kids. They shout, they sing, they obey. I mean, we walked in and uh, under the camp and it was like, you know, celebrities were there and, and they just treat us so good. You've done such a good job. But we live in a day and age where the average child in America is spoiled. What's the last word in the Bible? We live in a day and age where the, the average kid is spoiled. They're spoiled. Kids have the liberty and freedom to shop and they go shopping. Uh, the malls, uh, I read an article two years ago, three years ago, malls were not made for 40 and above. They target the youth. wonder where these kids get all this money. They don't even have a W-2 form. They've not worked a job. But the malls are filled with teenagers and young people. I wonder about all the fancy clothes and brand names. I know there's an army of ladies here in this church, and I'm not saying you cannot buy anything new, but they know how to shop at thrift villages. Secondhand clothes, and many of our, many uh, hundreds probably would know how. There's nothing wrong with your son or daughter, especially the daughters. It seems like it's so much e easier, though it's hard to buy modest clothes anywhere for a young girl. But, but you ladies have a knack about it, how to go to these secondhand stores and buy stuff. There's nothing wrong with that. I know our car goes there quite often. Your children need to learn how to be how to have thrift. They don't have to shop at Nordstrom's. Well, it's a designer skirt. It's $500. That's foolishness. I, I think of how our kids have cell phones. Why? Why would you do that to your kid? Why in God's dear name? I'm the guy that has to deal with this all the time. Why, why, why would you give your kid a cell phone? It's like giving a four-year-old kid, say, hey, here's the keys to the car, go drive. Cell phones are taken to places they have no control over and are taken to sites. It's an awful thing. 
They will destroy their lives in a heartbeat before they even get started. The devil will tell us, you have liberty, go do that, go do that, go do that. And then once you do it, he condemns you. I'm not trying to be an old prude that these kids can't have anything. I want to make it great. We, we have the basketball teams, the volleyball teams, the soccer teams, the baseball teams. We have the youth activities. We have the Six Flags. We have the, uh, the senior trips. We have the youth conference. We have camps. We have extravaganzas. You name it. We have homecoming, graduations. We pour money into all this stuff. And even our kids get spoiled. I think of they have their own personal pages, and I don't know what the word is for the web. They live for selfies. They live for play. When I take a meeting that's four hours or less, I don't fly. I always drive to those meetings so I can get home that night. For the last many years, it's just generally a one-night meeting that I get home. If it's nearby within an hour or two, I always get out of this area early in the afternoon if it's going to be a 7 o'clock service. And I'll go to wherever I'm preaching, Sacramento or Pleasanton or uh, this city or that city, and I, I go early. And I always uh, either uh, go to a park and I get on a concrete bench and a concrete table and I pull my Bible out and study there. I pull on the side of the road and I study in my car. I get there several hours early and I work. I was at a church and I was in the old downtown region and I pulled over and I was just studying and the junior high school got out and all of a sudden, man, all around me on this side of the sidewalk and this side it was an invasion of junior high age kids. And I looked at those kids and one by one they piled into Starbucks and came out with these specialty drinks, you know, $4. And I, I'm not saying you can't ever have one. I'm thinking, how in the world do these kids come from junior high, have this kind of money and this kind of no supervision and just hanging around and I was there a long time because I was reading my Bible. And they just kept hanging around. I thought, where's their mother? Where's their dad? Who's watching these kids? And I watched their behavior. My heart just broke. Just young junior high age kids. God gives us a home. And that home has to be the safe haven and we have to give ourselves to the attention of raising up children that have some values. Tonight I want to give us in these few moments together some words because it's vitally important that we understand where we're headed. What's our goal? What's our direction? What are we trying to accomplish in raising these children for God? I'd like you to write down the word work. Chores. That's one of the main words tonight. Second Thessalonians 3.10. 
If a man will not work, he should not eat. Children must have daily chores. I'm not talking about a five-year-old, okay, he's got to mow the lawn, wash the cars, clean, clean the windows. He, he's got to, there's a balance here, folks. But boys and girls need to learn to work. We will inherit college students, and I'm, I'm so excited about them coming back. I can hardly wait. I love to have the college students here. But it is a very sad thing when you watch a boy take a broom and try to sweep, and he has no idea how to sweep. No idea. A dad failed. And you don't just say, go, go out and sweep the, sweep the gutter, son. If you have children in your home, young boys, your gutter on your street and your neighbor and the next neighbor and your sidewalk ought to be taken care of every single day. I look at these homes around here. These old junkers where we live, over a million dollars? The grass is all brown and there's dirt and there's garbage and it's not been swept, it's not been cleaned and the bushes that are growing up are, all need to be trimmed and junk laying all over the place. I'm thinking, why are we so lazy? We're just a lazy generation. Children must learn how to work. They ought to know how to make their bed. And a lady of my wife and you ladies, I don't know the age that you make the bed. I know I'm not old enough yet to make the bed, but I, but, 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 but they ought to, I don't know, they ought to attempt. Last week, I could not get to sleep upstairs. I just couldn't sleep. I, couldn't, I just couldn't get calm. And, and I was just too, it's hot. And I, just, I just couldn't sleep. So I wandered around the house and banged around. My wife says, I can always tell when you're up. I straighten the refrigerator, and she's got it perfect. I open the, 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 the doors and the pantry, and I straighten all the labels up, you know, just... Uh, I, I must have some problem. I don't know what I have, but I have it. She goes, I can see you were up last night. It's just, it's just weird. It's just strange. I go in there and the silver is all, she's got it all organized, and I just make sure they're all up on top of one another, all the way, you know. I, I know, I know. And then I said, you know, I go back upstairs, I'll probably wake, I'm going to sleep in this room down here. I'm playing musical bedrooms, you know, all over the place. The next day she comes to the work, she said, you slept downstairs last night. I did. How'd you know? You didn't make the bed very well. Well, I didn't know I had to learn how to make the bed, but I, but I, and I did a good job, Brother Chuck Flood. I did a real good job. I don't know how old you are when kids learn how to make beds. I didn't. Five-year-olds, six-year-olds, 25-year-olds, four-year-olds, four-year-old. Well, if an you ever make the bed? Oh, you can't. Your wife's in it. Um, um, 
<laughs> She's a hard-working girl. Our, our children, it, it's sad when a boy who's in high school does not know how to wax a car. Does not know how to wash a car. They start down here. You never start down here. You stop at the, start at the top. And you work your way down. And you do the wheel wells. And you open the doors and you dry off the doors and the, inside the doors and the door panels and you get everything clean. Children need to learn the joy of work. One of the reasons why these business owners around here clamor for our kids, our high school kids, our college kids. They want those kids. They beg for those kids. We have a job fair at opening day of school. The, the various companies, Apple and all the computers, they'll all be here, and we won't have enough for them because they're already wanting our kids. They're workers. One, 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 well, probably more, but I can think of one that said to me, well, your workers never fail the drug test. And they show up, and he said they have a cheerful spirit about them, and they work. I want you to know that our, our, this whole mother and dad, children need to learn how to work. Sometimes I look in these neighborhoods around here, and the front yard looks like a zoo. Things laid all over the place, and tricycles, and toys, and, and shovels, and and rakes and brooms, do something with it. This is Bible. God created man to work. God created Adam for the purpose of work. He gave him a task to do. He started naming all the animals. Adam, Adam was in charge. He put Noah in charge. He put Abraham in charge of a nation. He put Moses in charge. Man has to have a responsibility to do something. The Bible says a woman is to be a keeper at home, Titus 2. Doesn't mean she has to stay home. It means she must be domestic about herself. Have we taught our girls how to bake and how to cook and how to clean and how to set a table and how to organize a closet and how to organize a shelf and how to, how to keep a house maintained? Have we taught that? That's work. There's a second word. My goodness, I'm, don't worry. I've got 11. I know I'm not going to finish them. Two, obey. Ephesians 6, 1. Children, what? The first one was what? Work. What's the first one? What's the second one? Obey. God's word says that Samuel to obey is better than sacrifice. I wish I had time to take you to Jeremiah 35 where Jeremiah was begging the people to obey, but they would not hearken. They would not obey, the Bible said. We do not, we, we do not negotiate for obedience. Obedience is not up for debate. Obedience is not up for a challenge. Obedience is what children need to do, and the best way they see should see it is see it in a mother and a dad. Our teenagers are gone tonight. One of the things that you folks, I would have done it tonight, but I, did, I didn't think about it, but here's teen section here and teen sections there, these empty holes are a lot of times where we have teenagers. And sometimes if they're out in a Wednesday night service and having their own service, I'll say, would you please 
Uh, while we're singing this next stanza, leave your songbook right there. Will you move forward and fill in this section right here in this section? I didn't say it tonight. But you know, invariably, there are people. They don't want to leave. They, they've already chosen where they want to sit. And there's nothing wrong with where you're sitting. But somebody asked them, could you move forward? And I, again, did not do that tonight. I'm so grateful now I did not do that. I almost did. I'm thankful I did not do that. But invariably, I watch people walk forward, come and fill these spots in. That is training your children that we're going to be obedient. We ought to learn the joy of obeying authority. Whether it's a policeman, a principal, a school teacher, a boss, a manager, a president of a company, a Sunday school teacher, a bus worker. Children must learn the joy of obedience and it's not negotiated. And it's not debated. We sing in elementary chapel, obedience is the very best way to show that you believe doing exactly what the Lord commands, doing it happily. Action is the key. Do it immediately. Joy you will receive. Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. Of course, the preacher was here, was interpreting the other night. I can do that too. O B E D I E N C A E. Obedience. I would love to sit down with you and have you tell me at your work how you watched perhaps even somebody today debate, challenge, fight. I'm not going to obey. I'll go to HR. Some of you folks, God bless you, you are in environments where you're surrounded sometimes with a person or several persons. They just don't obey. Wonder what kind of kids they're raising. Every time God tells us something in this word to do, do it. I'll be baptized in a few moments. Why? Because a sweet girl has been saved and she said, I'm going to obey the Lord. Tithing is obedience. Not forsaking God's house is obedience. Reverence and holiness and godliness and righteousness is obedience. The first word is work. The second word is, and I'm going to continue this next week, obey. The third word is self-denial. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, there's no also the last days perilous times shall come. Men shall be lovers of their own selves. We're into our selfies. It's all about me. I would not rain down fire upon your kids when they be enamored with themselves, but I would, with a broken heart, sit down and talk to them. Say, son... Daughter, life does not revolve about all about you. God says, look, not every man on his own, but every man on the things of others. Look all around you, find someone in need. Help somebody today. Though it be small and neighborly need, help somebody today. Others, Lord, yes, others, may this my motto be. Help me live for others that I might live for thee. 
So often if a child in this country of ours and the world undoubtedly don't get their way, they pout, they throw a fit, they get mad, they get upset, they get offended, they get hurt, they retaliate. Oftentimes I see that in adults. But the Christian life is a life of self-denial, saying no to me. Joe's getting married. He'll be a good husband. I know he will. Sweet little wife. going to be a good little wife. But they're going to have to both learn, more, and they've already learned it, I'm certain, to say no to themselves and yes to their mate. Because a good mate lives for their mate, doesn't live to be always coddled and cared for themselves. Number four, children need to learn to be quiet. First Thessalonians 4.11, study to be quiet. I, I promise you, and I know our school teachers will do the same at the other property in the cafeteria. I, on opening orientation, I'm planning on spending time with our students and teaching them like we do every year. This is how you eat appropriately in a cafeteria or in a restaurant. I could take a group of our teenagers, I could take college students, I could take staff, I could take deacons, I could take this church and take 20 or 30 or 40 of you to a meal in a restaurant and I know, I know it would be appropriate. Sometimes you're ever in a restaurant and a delegation of 10 people come in, 10 men or 10 women or five and five, whatever, and it is just downright rude. Loud, boisterous, domineering, uh, obnoxious. <laughs> and the whole crowd, it's like, could they eat fast and get out of here? I mean, when I go out dining at a nice restaurant, McDonald's or something of that nature, I don't like it to be like a zoo. A meal needs to be calming at your house, at dinner, trained that everybody's not talking at the same time. Well, that's just who we are around here. We're having a good time. Well, that's not appropriate. Study, be quiet. It doesn't mean that nobody talks at dinner. It means that you're quiet. You speak in a quiet tone. You speak with respect. And a sister and a brother get started in a conversation at the same time. The brother says, you go ahead. Children must be taught, mother and dad, are her eyes open? I was speaking to all of our college staff a week ago and then the church staff, I said, we ought never to walk from the academic building to the commons building without stooping down and picking up something. Because there's always something. And we keep this place all the time cleaned, and, but there's always something that drops. Or always, there's a pencil on the ground. There's a wrapper from those evil straws. <laughs> Nutty people! Crazy people! Now the lids have more plastic than the straws. What's next? Let me, I, I'm not near done. I have 11. I'll give you the fifth one. I will close. Example. As Paul tells Timothy, be an example to the believer. 
A mother and dad, you're an example. Older siblings, you're an example. An older sibling, how you respond to mother and dad is the way your brother or sister behind you are coming up behind you are going to respond. Little children disrespecting their mother and telling their mom off and throwing a fit and screaming. We see it. We see it. We see it. And I'm not talking about any of my sweet neighbors right here. There's a neighbor. We see it in our neighborhood. And there's a neighbor. There's a neighbor. And uh, I thank God for the North Valley neighbors I have. And we love all our neighbors, but we see it everywhere. Little kids that wrap mother and dad around their finger, just like this. Little, little kids, two, three, four, five. Yeah, you ever go to the store, you know what I'm talking about. You see it. They'll throw a fit until they get their way. I've learned this in, in our home. Uh, Miss Trevor taught me, it's, it's, if I was ever in a store, she was ever in a store and they had her groceries all ready to go and a kid threw a fit and would not obey, she'd leave the groceries and go deal with it. Because that kid's life is so important. This action today is going to reveal itself over here. We have to set a good example. If you're a choir member, it can't be hit and miss, mother, dad. It can't be. You got a son or a daughter or someone that's watching, it cannot be hit or miss. You got to be there. You're in the choir, you're in the orchestra. It can't be hit or miss. You got to be there. You're a Sunday school teacher. It can't be one week in, one week out. You're a bus worker. It can't be one week in, one week out. You're an usher. And thank God for all the faithful, faithful, godly people we have. Our children ought to see us every, every Sunday putting a tithe in. That, that example of putting the tithe in the offering plate. Our children ought to see that example. Our children ought to see the example where dad is respectful to mother and speaks kindly to mother and where mother speaks very kindly to daddy and with great respect to father. They ought to see that mother and dad love one another by an example. They ought to see that the son does not go down on the wrath by example. They ought to catch mother and dad praying once in a while, just praying begging God for something, asking God, or perhaps like, uh, I don't know if I can remember other than family devotions here, my mother and dad watching and praying that much, but I, my bedroom was next to, I could hear them at night, even though they had prayed with those kids, I could hear them praying. I don't know what they were saying, I could just hear one of them praying, and then sometimes both of them praying, I don't know what they'd say, but you can hear they were praying, that was an example. May I say tonight, North Valley Baptist Church, you have set such an incredible example of church work to the people of God worldwide. Your faith is spoken throughout the whole world, but don't start throwing in the towel and quitting. It's epidemic nationwide. 
Sunday school teachers bailing and bus workers bailing and pastors bailing and staff members bailing and, and deacons bailing. And I know we all have different things. I, I know there's sickness and there's pains and there's, and there's things that happen. I understand that. I, I do understand that. I don't know every circumstance. I can't keep up with it. It's all over this nation right now. It's just all over the nation. Father, tonight I pray that we would realize these teenagers that are away from us need, uh, in these days, uh, they still need an example. Uh, they need training that we'd get to tonight. I wish we did. They need to see mother and dad offer their children to God. They're not ours. Children need to be taught kindness and love and consequences. And they ought to be taught to listen. And parents ought to listen more than they lecture. God help us to reach this next generation with character and principle and conviction. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.